0: Welcome to The Room of Lives. I'm your host, Neil. In this episode, my anonymous friend shares his experiences of meeting God through Bufo and Ayahuasca.
1: This, obviously, just for the recording, you know, this is all a fictional story.
2: Everything in this of course, story is yeah, totally yeah. fictional.
1: Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's a story where I'm going to become this character in the first person. But yeah, I did I did Aya twice. Okay. Um, Ayahuasca twice. Ufo once. Um, Aya I did first last May, so a year ago. Uh, about to be the one-year anniversary in a couple weeks. And um, I had a conversation with God but a nonverbal verbal on, on Iowa, on side. Ia, emerging emerging yeah sort of like i i had no
0: visuals
2: yeah
0: but just like a thought. wait can you back up a little bit and tell me what are the circumstances under which you did it like was this sure. like part of a ceremony or did you go yeah. to a place or i didn't tell the full
1: story yeah. yeah yeah i was in so i, I went to costa rica <sighs> ah and i i really went on a whim it was interesting so actually back in march prior I started having this very strange thing happen. Um, every, like, Saturday or so, when I was relaxing in my bed at home in Austin, I uh, would be laying there, and then all of a sudden I'd have this impulse to just sit up, and I'd be in a very relaxed state, and I'd get this impulse to sit up, go to my car, and I'd just get in my car, and I'd just start driving. And it just mm. felt really good, and I didn't have my GPS on or anything, and I'd just start taking turns. And so I started having this experience of uh, just going for this ride mm. and not knowing where I was going and enjoying it. And every single time I went on one of these car rides, I would have a huge break mm. So one of these was right before I chose to go on this trip, I'd just broken up with my girlfriend at the time. Yeah. My name is Alain. Yeah. Wait, let me push this a little bit closer. This is getting sure. very interesting. Sure. Yeah, her name is Elena. Um, we broke up and a number of interesting things happened. I had to drive home from Austin to Dallas because I was staying with her in Austin. Mm-hmm. And because we broke up, I could no longer be there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, it was a very strange breakup because I actually knew 10 minutes before that it was over. I had kind of like a premonition. And did she call you? or? No, I was there, and we'd had like a little bit of an altercation, but I could tell that it was over. Mm -hmm. And she actually verbalized 10 Mm -hmm. minutes after. I think we should be done And It was very interesting because she was always the more intuitive one, and I was always the more verbal one in the Mm -hmm. relationship. So at the end of the relationship, we had this switch, where I was the more intuitive one, and she was the more Mm -hmm. verbal and communicative. Anyway, I get in my car, and I just start driving and i have this urge to drive in the polar opposite direction of dallas
2: whoa okay i didn't know why Mm.
1: and i was just taking turns things like this i called my friend i ended up parking out in this random field like an hour outside of austin like south like out in the country right i had this call with her and i forget what the conversation was i ended up mainly coaching her ironically for life but i kept on driving and uh, all of a sudden I had this resistance come up. I was like, why am I doing this? I'm gonna fuck these. Why am I taking these turns? Why am I driving in this direction? I'm gonna turn around. And I had this urge three times and each of the three times out in the country, there was a car wreck and each of the three times blocking the exits for me to get off of this road. What the hell? Yeah, perfect. So each time that happened, I had a re-emerging of faith. I just had to run, And next thing I know, I'm out at this random gas station. I don't know why I'm there. I didn't need to get gas. I had a full tank, but I parked. And keep in mind, I'm just going off of like a relaxed kind of state. And uh, uh, i end up going into this gas station. and I go and, and I'm like, oh, I'm, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get an energy drink before I get on the road. So I do that for a long drive sometimes. And uh, I went and I was gonna go get a monster, but I remember she used to drink this different type, this different brand, so I grabbed that one.
2: Mm.
1: And as I'm going at the register, I turn to my right, and as I'm about to buy this thing, I go, wait, hold on, I tell the cashier to wait. I turn to the side, and there's this big rack. I realize there's a full-function bakery mm. in this gas station. Mm-hmm. I've never seen this before.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You see a bakery at a gas station. Especially the middle of nowhere, right? Who are they selling this to? But sitting there is this—it's this wall of Mexican pastries, and sure enough, staring at me is the exact same color and type of pastry that Elena got me. It's the only time I've ever had it, and it was this yellow concha. Mm -hmm. You ever had a concha? Mm -hmm.
2: Maybe not. I don't remember. Okay, okay. okay.
1: And it looks like a seashell. Okay, I guess. All right. And it was like yellow or green or something. And I, I had the urge to grab it. And when I go, went to my car, I, I bought it. I went and sat in my car. And I started to eat it and drink the beverage. And I, and as I look down, I go...
0: And this is the same day where earlier that day,
1: Elena had I just said, okay, we are done. Just earlier that we day. We had a breakup conversation. Okay. And I'm sitting in the parking lot. I'm eating this thing. And I realized, holy shit, I'm celebrating her right now. Yeah, I'm wondering how are you feeling about this.
0: Like, aren't you feeling like raw about this? That uh, how not are you really. being able to get your favorite drink, get her favorite drink, get her like? So, are those associations not
1: so this wounds for you at this point? So this no? is the weird thing about it because of my the thing that started happening a couple months earlier, where I started having these impulses to go drive.
2: Yeah, I started to realize
1: that when I'm relaxed and in a state of yeah. positivity. I get these urges to do things, and I don't even need to consciously choose anything. I just have these impulses to do the right things at the right time. Yeah. Kind of like Neo in The Matrix, you know, at the yeah. end when he, he's able to fight the Smiths. like. A <laughs> yeah. So the weird thing about the breakup was I saw that it was going to happen before it did. Her and I had the conversation. We both sat there and we cried together. And by the time I got in my car, I was still sad. Benjamin? But yeah. I felt complete. Yeah, right? yeah. Here you are, in. Yeah. So so it's not like you were rejecting the reality of what had right. happened. Yeah. Exactly. I was accepting it. I was appreciative of her. I was sad. Yeah. But in the way that like when you appreciate something that's now over,
2: yeah. there can
1: be a melancholy. Yeah. So it's very positive. There wasn't yeah. really many dark things. So um, I'm sitting there and I go, oh my God, I'm celebrating her. I didn't even realize I was unconsciously being led to this random place with this random bakery thing in there so it gets weirder while i'm driving i I kept driving for a little bit i realized i was going southeast and so on my i have the you know on my car i have the digital map Mm -hmm. of my gps and as i'm sitting there i click on the four arrows so I, you tap the four arrows, and allows you to zoom out. So I start zooming out, and I realize I'm pointed towards the ocean. I've been driving towards the ocean the whole time. And this story just keeps getting weird. So I had this strange energy reading a few months earlier where this person that ended up becoming a client gave me this free intuitive reading where I thought she was going to, like, read tarot cards or something turns out she doesn't, she didn't do that. She offered me this session. I'm expecting to have a palm reading or something like that. She's just a friend of mine. And uh, I get on this call and she proceeds to for 30 minutes. She just stares at me and she just starts telling me stuff that's going to happen in my life.
0: This is in real life. This is in real life. Okay. Like not zoom or
1: anything. She's actually physically in. Oh No, this, this is isn't zoom. Okay. Zoom. Yeah she lives in another car so
0: no context no talking she's just staring at you and telling you this was before the breakup right right okay how long before the breakup just a few months uh,
2: yeah what did she tell
0: you
1: she gave me a number of predictions about business and um where I was headed mm-hmm. but also she said something really interesting she said you need to be near the ocean um, she said there's something good for you near there Um, so immediately while I'm in the car and I'm seeing this I'm going oh my god I'm unconsciously driving towards the ocean Um, I've been thinking about going to Latin America. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I had a few different options, but one of them was I had a buddy in Costa Rica that had been living in a condo in the jungle that he was renting. Um, That you have to, like, rent a Jeep and drive. You have to, like, have your own Jeep to get to it. Right? Like, serious off-road
0: how does he have access to, like, resources, everyday resources?
1: It was only, like, 20 minutes from okay. a road, but okay, okay. it was serious enough of a of a drive to where, um, like, near a small town, so he had Wi-Fi and things like that, electricity and all that. But he'd been living there, and long story short, um, he uh, kept telling me to come out, mm-hmm. and there's a there's a choice between going to him and like somewhere else, which would have been much harder. And I asked myself, and I said, "Am I trying to tell myself it's time for me to go to Costa Rica?" And I got a resounding yes in my body, just a feeling a time ago. And by the way, I've never been a guy that's like asked my body what it feels. Right. Yeah. But because of this progression of impulses I started receiving a few months earlier, I started realizing that it was actually leading me places. So I started to trust in this. So next thing I know, I had spent five weeks in Costa Rica. I've been working remotely in my business.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I've been traveling around. I had a number of adventures. And it was all building up to, I set it up, it was like my last full day, my second to last full day in the country. I was gonna do Aya for the first time. So there was so much momentum building up to this. And um, So next thing I know, I get out to this ranch. So I have to go to the San Jose, which is the capital city of Costa Rica. And I have to take an Uber out to this ranch. And the day I had to go to this ranch, there was a huge storm. Not only that, but like, we get on the highway in the storm. And... There was this insane traffic jam where I don't know what happened. It was like a three-lane lane highway going one way. There was some wreck that was blocking all three, and next thing we knew, there was a frontage road. So the highway is carved out of a hill, so you have to drive through a hill. But the frontage roads haven't been carved out, so they're like up on these. They're going up
0: on, along the hills and then coming back
1: down. Right. Yeah. Whereas, if you're on the highway, you just go straight through. hmm Next thing I know, all of these cars are reversing back down the highway and then going forward, climbing up the front drill, road, up over the top. hmm And we end up having to do this. Mm-hmm. It's like a fucking hoop. Yeah. It's nuts. So, we go. We're, we're driving. He reverses back up. He takes us. We get out to the like cobblestone roads where like when you drive over them you feel every stone mm-hmm. and I'm like god are we here we finally get out there by the way the driver was Venezuelan and as you know I dated a Venezuelan woman for three years so I talked you know about this country and his life so by the time he drops me off, he I tipped him, you know, as much as Uber lets you. And it's Costa Rica, so it, it was decent. But yeah, before I know it, I'm in, at the feet of this shaman. Oh.
0: And at this point, you're by yourself. Like, your friend that you were staying with in the, in that condo is not in the picture anymore.
1: Yeah, I yeah. I didn't even stay with him in the condo. I just met with him for a few days, and we ended up not vibing. Oh, So, I was pretty much solo. Okay, so at this
0: point, you're solo. Mm-hmm. And like two days later, you're flying out or something. Right.
1: So, I get out there, and, and I'm literally the only non Costa Rican that's going to be taking purchase. <laughs> and so, that's how I knew it was going to be good. Yeah. You're going to be the one gringo. Yeah. And that's how I knew I was in the right place, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So next thing you know, I'm getting blessed.
0: Wait. By the way, how did you get to know about this? How did you find out about? this? I asked around. Okay.
1: Okay. All right. I networked. Mm-hmm. End up at the feet of this shaman, right? And they bless me, and they welcome me in this, be- this beautiful ranch of Santa. Next thing I know, they're packing this pipe full of what's called rapé, and everything here is happening in Spanish. Uh huh. Okay. And I'm fluent in Spanish, so. Yeah. Um, You're packing a pipe full of what? Of uh, rapé. So it's a mixture of tobacco and flowers that have been turned into ash. And they pack it and what they do is they position it on your nostril and there's a person on the other end and they blow it up your nose. Yeah, that's super intense. So I end up doing it and um, blow it up my nose. And it's like this thing, it like makes you dizzy. And the next thing you know, you're just, I'm kneeled down on the ground. And there's just all these emotions I feel flowing through my body. Just flowing through my body and um, just like very in touch with my heart. And uh, yeah, and that's what they have you start off with. They waited for the sun to go down and they built these two fires one it was indoors one was outdoors these big fireplaces they had these huge logs and they built like the biggest fireplace fires i'd ever seen it's just just roar it it almost looked like it was going to roar out of the fireplace it's huge and uh the sun went down and they had the guy the shaman start playing a guitar and singing. So he'd studied in the Amazon for several years and lived with a tribe called the Yopo, which speaks a language that is not related to any common spoken language on the planet. Mm -hmm. It's called Yopo. And he starts to to sing these songs in Yopo that, to me, just sound like an alien language. Mm -hmm. It's like this insane vibrational language. It's like... "Eh, eh, eh, eh." But I'm not even doing it justice. It, it almost sounds like it's kind of everywhere at once. It's very, very just um, kind of spooky. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so they, they start pouring the cups and they start passing. Or they have people come up one by one and they have them down like a shot. It's like a shot glass of this stuff. And it tastes... Yeah, when, right. I, when I tell you it is rancid, oh I've jumped into frozen god. lakes. I've <laughs> felt like this shit in my life. Uh, 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 that was maybe the hardest thing I've ever had to do in oh my, my life, was drink that shit. It was so bad. That's the thing that I feel like, man, I have to go through that in order to do it. And I was gonna... It's rough. Yeah. Oh my god. And so they had me drink it. Yeah, what does it taste like? The way I put it is it, it's like uh, if you fed a baby tomato soup and then you had it vomit all of it back up and then eat it and then vomit it back up like three or four times and then you drank that. And was did it smell bad too? It smelled it smelled as bad as it tasted. I mean it it would make it makes you gag. The smell of it makes oh you gag. Oh my
2: god. So they had
1: me they had me down one and I'm like I'm like oh my god, what did I just do? Right? Like my I feel it in my stomach. I go inside, I sit by the fire, and I get this blanket. And before I know it, I'm like kind of starting to doze off. By the way, a few people took their first glass, they laid down, and they were out. They were like in another world. They They
0: became unconscious. Immediately
1: went to their sleeping bag, and then apparently I talked to them in the morning, they were in hallucinations. Like, one, another guy went to another planet, or he had an experience of being on another planet. I mean, literally that was his, his vision. But uh, I, I was sober still, but I went in and I started to kind of like fall asleep in this rocking chair. And like right as I was at the edge of like consciousness, I have no idea how much time passed, but I was very close to falling asleep. I got this tap on my shoulder and I opened my eyes and it's one of the assistant shamans and he, and he looks at me. He's like right here and he goes, it's time for another round. And I go, oh, okay. And I was, like, excited because I hadn't fully gone in yet. I, I wasn't tripping yet. So I go beside the outdoor fire by the shaman. He's going, okay, we're, he's telling me in Spanish we're ready for another cup. He goes, and, of course, this is what he says. He says, just, you know, just take it and then just keep it down. So I take it. Two minutes later, I'm throwing up in the bushes. Right? So he told you, like, not to throw. Not to do it. And of course, it. that's what I do right away, yeah, yeah. because this stuff's ran. Like this was my yeah. second shot, yeah. rancid, and they have you take it all at once in like a shot. Oh man! So I get sick. I go back inside. Yeah. Um. And I sit by the fire with my blanket, and I go. I am stone cold sober. Yeah. Keep in mind, we're supposed to take three cups that night. So I've already done, in my mind, two thirds of the dose. Yeah, but you've thrown some of it back out. So right, but you're and that's going to get more. So it's effectively like, yeah, I've done nothing, but yeah. we're already seventy percent done. Yeah, and people are tripping, and
0: yeah. so I even you're kind
1: of disappointed. I'm, disappointed. I'm pissed. Yeah. Oh, I was, I was pissed. Yeah. And I started having all these thoughts. I'm like, oh okay, god, I don't know, I don't know. Next thing I know. The shaman, I go back to the shaman and I ask for more and he actually declines me. He has me wait. Because he could tell, he's a really smart guy, the shaman. He could tell that I wasn't in the right headspace. So he wanted me to relax. Yeah. So he tells me to go sit down and wait. So, of course, as soon as I get relaxed, it was like he knew. They come in the room and they get me bring me back. And he goes, okay, I'm going to give you a uh, paper cup now instead of a glass. And I'm going to give you just a little bit. And he said, so less than you normally would get in the cup. I want you to go and I want you to sit by the fire and I want you to just sip it just little just keep it down. Said, okay. So this is funny. He pours a little bit. As he's looking at me, he gets out the paper cup. He pours a little bit. And then as he stares, stands there, he stares at me for a bit and then he smiles and he goes ahead and he pours what ends up is like a double dose of the original cup. Oh. So he doesn't give me a half cup. He gives me a double yeah. just for my insurance, right? <laughs> my insurance. Cause I can drink. I don't need a drink at all. Yeah. I get to go sit. So I go and I sit and I'm sipping and I'm sipping. I have to wait like five minutes in between each sip. I'm oh not kidding. God. It's awful. Finally, I get like two thirds of the way through it, oh, and I'm like, okay, I think I'm gonna have a bit more. I'm like,
2: actually,
1: I think I'm good, and I set it down.
0: Why was it? Because it was the taste,
1: or it I was about to, to eat. I was about to eat. I was uh... gonna get sick again. Yeah. It's because it was my stomach was like, you're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I set it down. Next thing I know, I, I keep I go back to my negative thoughts. I don't know. I'm like, I don't know if it's gonna work. I don't know. And I go in this negative thought train for like 20 minutes. And then all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, not my eye, my auditory field, my inner auditory field, I hear, just let go, this voice inside of me that's not mine. Just let go. And right then I relax a little bit. And I kind of started to feel different for just a second. But before long, those thoughts came back in. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work. I don't, know. I don't know. And then a few minutes later, just like, oh. And whenever I heard that, I felt this, this breath. Like this breath came into me. I didn't take it. It took me just, ah, oh, relax. And then I went back to thinking negatively. And then all of a sudden, I was like, wait a second. I'm just going to keep doing the breathing thing and just letting go. So I started to take deep breath after deep breath. And I went down on this bench and I laid down and I pulled this white blanket that I had over me. and So I could just see nothing but white blanket. It was like I was in a snow-covered blanket world, (laughs) paradise. (laughs) And I'm laying there and I'm just taking these deep breaths and I'm relaxing. And I suddenly felt like I was like Dorothy in, in Alice in Wonderland, kind of stumbling down this spiral staircase, going deeper. And deeper and deeper and going deeper and deeper and all of a sudden a few minutes later going deeper and deeper into this deeper and deeper into this trance I go it was like I looked up and I went holy shit God's here (laughs) and keep in mind up until this point I was like, maybe thought there was God, but I was like, oh. I god. think you we were mostly like an atheist. It right? was kind, yeah. I was kind of like, oh, it's energy. It's like what I experienced in meditation. No, this was fucking different. I it was like I recognized an old friend. Oh my god! And I called him by his name, and it was God. And was this? This was an not a visual. Vi- yeah. There was no visuals. It was a. It was a sixth sense, like a feeling. And your eyes were closed at this point or you don't know it doesn't matter they, they need neither yeah they yeah. could have been open they could be closed yeah. I felt I was feeling with this sixth sense yeah. this imp- in the same way that I had those impulses that was yeah. taking me in my car months earlier yeah. I was having and all of a sudden it was like and for people listening I had my hand right my hands out above me it was like picture God as one hand above and I'm this other hand it was like it just came down and it just, picture Wait, the fingers interlocked. interlocked, the hands interlocked, and it just plugged into me. Oh. And next thing I know, I'm getting a system rewire. I'm getting like a, a reboot and an upgrade in my software. <laughs> That's what it felt like. It was like God was like me up. Oh. And what was crazy was I had a watch. I had this watch that I took with me from Elena that broke earlier that week. Yeah. And I had a quote from the Alchemist on the back. And on ah. the alchemist quote, it says, "When you want something, the whole universe conspires in helping you to achieve it." Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I had this watch break, and I literally was staying in an Airbnb, where guess what the guy's profession was? He was a watch mechanic. Ah. The week that I had a break, <laughs> and you know what he told me? I had him consult. It ended up costing me like twenty dollars to fix. It's hilarious. Yeah. And I asked him. I said. Uh, What do you guys have to do with it? He said, oh, it's really funny, Ian, because you have a really nice made watch, but the machine that's in it is outdated. And so in order to fix the watch, we need to put in an entirely new system, like a system upgrade. Mm -hmm. And as he said it to me, I kind of got goosebumps, and I didn't know why. It was kind of like I was getting a message unintentionally that would be useful later. So jumping over to this Iatrip, trip, I am getting a full system upgrade just <laughs> like this, just like Ian 1.0 to 2.8. <laughs> and really the main things were, I felt like a tune-up in each of my energy centers in my body just like chakras. So I'm not a chakra guy or anything.
0: But, you know, so in, in your other things, you have never experienced like chakra things? Right. You don't it, believe it, in it would It would so go through much.
1: and it would ignite each of these centers in my body. No, no, what I
0: mean is that before this
2: experience... I didn't really even, believe in it. Yeah.
1: Not really. Okay, okay. And it would ignite each of these centers, and I would feel different parts of my psyche ch- changing, becoming more wholesome. Huh. So, like, sexuality, and survival, and money, and love, and my voice, and, uh, and I started to perceive that, no, there's actually nothing but abundance in the universe. It was my first ever time perceiving abundance.
2: Yeah. Lack
1: was revealed to be an illusion. Yeah. But like literally, it's not even like billions of dollars that type. Like billions of dollars is a part of it, but it pales in comparison to what I'm talking about. I'm talking about there's so much good. I could see there's so much good in everything. I immediately understood what motivated the Bible, what motivated a lot of these religious texts that I read that I always felt disconnected from. Yeah. I just felt all this abundance, and more more than anything, as I was perceiving God, it had it, it didn't have gender for me, mm-hmm. but it had all of the qualities that I always admired in people. Picture, take picture you took all of the best qualities yeah. of a person, yeah. and you had it in one being. Mm-hmm. Like literally, we were made in His image, right? That's the mm-hmm. what the Bible says. And so it was like, oh, every time someone. Had a good quality for me. It was like God was shining. Oh wow! So I suddenly had this understanding, and uh, the, there were some other things in the night. But long story short, I end up um, going out into the field. I was I was the only person that stayed up, other than the facilitators. I stayed up all night. They had me do rape again. So they have you do rapé at the end of the night to end the ceremony, and I decided suddenly that I was ready at one point in the night to do rapé again. So they do it, and by the way, when you do it, you have to blow your nose a lot, and it like, clears out your mm. sinuses, yeah. and, like, your allergies, and so they did it, and this time, like, I really had to clear out. I had to use, like, ten times as many tissues, yeah. I mean, it, was just, it was just clearing me out. And I went out in the field, and it was, like, maybe an hour before dawn, so it was still dark out, but I'm you know, San Jose is surrounded by mountains. So as I'm looking out at the mountain range, um, uh, it says uh, I had this voice inside. So because I've been speaking Spanish all night, I started to think in Spanish. Mm-hmm. So I had my whole trip in Spanish. So as I'm walking out into this field, I heard... Say it in Spanish. Todo, todo es limpio, todo es sano, todo es completo, todo es saludable, completamente perfecto and so everything's clean everything's perfect everything's, everything's healthy, everything's perfect. healthy perfect everything's completely perfect yeah. and all of a sudden it swapped to English for the first time in the night and I heard this voice and it said you're ready now go out and change the world mm. and I fell down on my knees and I just like wept. so that was my first I experience didn't believe in God necessarily before now it's like obvious it's yeah. obvious yeah. it's obvious there's there's no other it's it's so obvious and any of my previous psychedelic experience didn't lend itself to those breakthroughs yeah led me to a lot of breakthroughs without that. Yeah. so fast forward I mean, to Anahuasca last
0: the is the, the, the grand, grand until <laughs> yeah.
1: bufo i would say bufo's but even, it's the same it's like the same molecule though like the dmt it's 5meo dmt yeah but it's a totally different experience okay so I'm about to tell you that. So yeah. i watching that. So Wait, yeah, I don't January, know which
0: one I should ask, like which one I should hear first. The Bufo or like my follow up questions about, I think I'll leave the follow up questions them for the later. Let's
1: leave I'll them for later. The yeah. So um, January, I go to Cameron, Texas. Mm-hmm. I met with another group and I did it again. Mm-hmm. This time I was not with a good group of shamans. They oh. were Colombian. They were legit. But they were not good people. And how so? They were very manipulative and very forceful. And they kind of like they kind of like trick you into doing more. And it's really, really not they weren't very consensual. Mm-hmm. And um, So they did, for example, I did rape with them, and it was so much more harsh. Like they would like overpack it and then like blow it what up. Were you, were you here for an ayahuasca ceremony or a buffo? Both. I was doing Aya all night and then Bufo in the morning. What the fuck? Yeah. That's even a thing? Yeah. Ah, So I did Aya. That seems intense. So the Aya that they had was so harsh that I ended up just like getting sick and I like kind of had an experience and I got some meaningful stuff, but that was pretty much it. And I ended up going to sleep. Mm. People just, people were just having a bad, I mean, they just, they gave people too much. Like there were just people just getting sick all, like continuously all night. And so I, I slept, I actually slept, so I got like five hours of sleep, which was a ton. A night where you're supposed to stay up all mm-hmm. At this place, they wanted you to stay up. Yeah. But in the morning, um, they had bufo, and what it is, is they harvested from the bufo frog. Yeah. It's 5 meo DMT. Yeah. It's blue crystals. They heat it up in a pipe, you smoke it. It tastes like burnt tortillas. It tastes super nice. It doesn't it, make it oh, taste. like
0: burnt bad. tortillas. Pretty nice. I've tried vaping uh, DMT, and it was so it's terrible. It's like metal. Chemical. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like chemical. metal, and my throat just choked up. Uh, mm-hmm. Stefan gave me some, and he really wanted to do the thing where you like you try to you encourage the person to take a breakthrough. I just couldn't do it. it yeah. was just my throat just kept closing no, and up. No, that's that's what I hear.
1: Yeah, um, bufo isn't that way because it's uh, harvested for the bufo frog, and yeah. it's, it's it has these glands in the frog that are supposed to be super nice. Yeah. And so um So it's not so bad. It's make- pretty it, 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 it's it's not just not so bad, it's it's super pure yeah. and wonderful. So it's like smoked that you smoke it, is- you smoke the crystal, they heat it up with a torch. Yeah, and yeah you smoke yeah. it like you're doing a dab. Yeah. And uh, you know, some oil or something heating up. So it's not harsh. Yeah, it's it's super smooth. Yeah. But what they told me this is what crazy maybe I can try. It's that. crazy. They sit me down. They sat me down. Yeah. They had me read a prayer three times off of this long sheet to God. And then the guy coaches me on how to, he wants me to inhale all that I can and hold it. You said it. prayer to God, but yeah. was it following some particular religion like Christianity? No, it, or was, it was like was a like blend a of all religions. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was wild. Yeah. They had me read that. He coaches in, in me on English. how to inhale it in English. Yeah. Yeah. And they set us up in your sleeping bag so that you, when you're ready, what you do is you, you naturally will yes. get really heavy. And you tilt back. Yeah. And they have the pillow set up behind you. Yeah. But they have you take it sitting up. So he coached yeah. me on how to take it. He said, you have to do a full, fully empty out, you know, do three breaths in and out, fully empty out, and then I'm gonna tell you to hit it, and I want you to slowly hit it and fill your entire lungs yeah. as much lung capacity as you can. Yeah. Even when you're done, keep inhaling. Yeah. And then sip in a bit more and then gulp. And then just hold it. And he said, Hold it, even if it feels like you're never gonna breathe again. Hold it forever. Yeah. What was funny is I started having the impulse a few weeks before that. Unbeknownst to me, this was going to be important. I started studying Wim Hof breathing and I trained myself. I can hold my breath for four minutes straight. Really? I good breathing technique. I, I remember this one memory that comes
0: up where we were in some kind of physics get together. And you and I were both in the swimming pool. And I was like, Ian, let's try to hold our breaths. And I was actually able to hold my breath longer than you had. Yeah, it was like 90 seconds. I
1: was like, no, no, no. I don't so like think 60. I can hold for 90 seconds. It was like under a minute. Right. But so four minutes is nice. Like, yeah, uh, four, four minutes and one second is what I can do. Uh, I do the extra. Yeah. yeah. But you, what you do is you do 30 breaths in and out. You yeah. over-oxygenate your lungs and it yeah. allows you to hold it. That. Yeah. So that's it. Like yeah. But it's still crazy. So I've been training that. So I had really powerful lungs. And so right before he has me do it and he says, oh, by the way, in addition to if it never feels like you're going to breathe again, just relax. He says, if it feels like you're going to die... Or, no, no, no. This is what he said. He said, if it feels like you're dying, just let go. Just let it happen. Just let go. That's all he said. Yeah. And so I'm looking at this guy, and I'm going. Yeah. Because keep in mind, this is the guy that was, like, really pushy. Yeah. So if the pushy, hardcore guy looks at you and says something
2: like that. Yeah.
1: I was like, oh, God. He's not fucking kidding.
2: Yeah.
1: It was the most serious thing I'd heard him say all weekend. Yeah. So next thing I know, by the way, we're in this barn out in Cameron, Texas. And there's, you know, so each side of it is open, and it's this misty day. So you look off into the trees, and the trees disappear into the mist in each Mm -hmm. direction. So it looked like we were in heaven. (laughs) So this is so much crazier than anything I've told you so far. Anything I've told you.
0: By the way, what time of day is this This is like 10 a.m. 10 a.m. So it's like a nice Saturday. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) And you've had five hours of sleep after Uh the... And I'm pretty
1: well rested. I even had some food. Yeah. So he has me do the three breaths, and he starts heating up this pipe. He has me empty out my lungs. He says, okay, hit it. And I started inhaling. Burnt tortillas, burnt tortillas, super clear smell. He says, keep going, keep going. And I filled up my lungs. He was super impressed. I inhaled a bit more, and then I gulped. And so that allows you to kind of put a cork in it so you can really hold it and then all of a sudden i'd asked him when i would know to feel like to lean back and said oh dude you're gonna know and i just started to tip back onto my pillow and as i'm laying there i start to feel like vibrationally so if we think of emotions as vibration Mm-hmm. and there's a scale and the more positive of an emotion, the higher vibrating you are.
0: That's what I've heard from people and my physics yes. self has been like, come on, don't give me this. Like, don't talk about physics terms, like
1: high vibration, right. low vibration. But, or Nicola, but Nikola Tesla was even yeah. you know, really into a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. So, tell me. Yeah, so, so and I never perceived vibration in this way, yeah. but all of a sudden I start going up this vibrational ladder and emotions start getting more positive and more positive and more positive. And then as my emotions start to increase and increase and increase, this white light starts to slowly start pulling and like emanating and cracking through and bursting through everything bigger and bigger. And, and my emotions, they got higher and, and more positive than they would ever been, but they just kept going. And then all of a sudden it got brighter and brighter and white light started to consume everything. And then I was like, holy shit, I'm about to die. I had this knowing, like I'd done it before. Yeah. So even though he'd prefaced it, I would have still had that same feeling. It was just like with the God thing. Oh, my God, it's gone. I was like, yeah. oh, my God, I'm dying.
2: Yeah.
1: Like it,
0: it's, it was a recognition. Yes. That, oh,
1: yeah, this is death. And yeah. there was some fear that came up Yeah. because things were getting better and better and better. But I don't know if you ever read um, in, in like a lot of the Greek myths, The Greek gods, they were not able to be perceived by human beings because if they showed themselves in their true form, it would destroy humans. So they would have to grant, like, for example, I think Hercules, he got granted God vision to be able to see the Greek gods. Actually, in the Bhagavad Gita, the Mahabharata, with Krishna and Arjuna, Arjuna gets granted God vision when Krishna chooses to show himself as Vishnu because it would destroy him if he saw So this was exactly what I was perceiving. I was like, oh my God, I'm going so high, it's gonna destroy me. So I had this fear come, and then all of a sudden, it took me so high, the fear obliterated, my body disappeared, the world disappeared, subject and object disappeared, Mm. my emotions, my human emotions disappeared, my human thought disappeared, my five senses disappeared, and all time disappeared. Mm. So I enter into infinity. Mm. Everything disappears except for this white light bursts through everything. I become this white light. So there's nothing but white light, vision, so God vision, and then God feeling, which is this infinitely high vibration, but it keeps... It's getting higher and higher and higher. As in as in, yesterday, the vibration was a certain way. Today, it's bigger. Tomorrow, it'll be bigger. It gets bigger forever, and it's expanding forever, just like the universe. And I was this internally, infinitely high, infinitely expanding I am with no subject or object forever. Because I'm outside of time. Yeah. So for zero time, zero seconds, and infinity seconds at the same time. Yeah. And I was gone forever. And then all of a sudden. Oh, and by the way, in the Bible, it says in the book of Exodus, it says, and you must call me by my true name. And God said, and you must call me by my true name. My real name is I am and you must refer to me in that standpoint. So a lot of Christian mystics and Jewish mystics, they argue actually, whenever you identify, for example, I am a loser, I am a winner, you're active and you feel that way, you're activating the vibration of God. And so God is gonna give you whatever you're focused on. Mm. So it's that idea of you you attract what you are. Mm. So if you feel like a loser, you identify like a loser. You're gonna attract loser Mm. people, loser situations, Mm. loser things. So the I am idea is So it's is, kind of like a self-manifesting. Correct. So God is I am. So mm-hmm. choose what you want to be. Yeah, my ha- God said my house has many mansions. My or Jesus said my father has many mansions. And you can go to and forth from them as you please. And the idea is the mansions are states of awareness and being mm-hmm. and then actually manifest you choose different states, you will manifest different conditions. Yeah. So anyway, so I, this I am thing makes total sense all of a sudden. Cause I mean, it's just a vibrating thing. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, wait, where am I? What am I seeing? Oh, wait, I'm seeing. Uh, what am I thinking about seeing? Oh, I'm thinking. Oh, I'm seeing a barn. What's a barn? So I came back into my body. So you're
0: slowly coming back into this perspective of Ian, step by step.
1: But just like a baby. Yeah. So a baby doesn't know what the five senses are until they've had the five senses and then they become aware of the five senses. Yeah. So I started having my five senses, my emotions and my thoughts before I realized what thought, emotions and five senses were. Yeah.
0: And so I'm looking. So you first have the emotions, thoughts and senses, and then you become aware of
1: the emotions, thoughts and senses. And i was like what am i looking at oh i'm looking at a person uh, what is his name oh his name is nathaniel yeah. and right as i come out i look at the shaman and keep in mind everything's still bathed in white light mm-hmm. i come out and by the way the music that these motherfuckers play it's shit that like gets you freaking lit when you're high out of your fucking mind. Yeah, it is heard made that immediately. high out of your fucking mind. People are, like I've heard from people like, how the fuck do they know the exact yeah. thing to? Well, yeah. And, and he's, he's, he's fanning this thing and he's playing like this maraca. And it was like, it was like a rattlesnake. Yeah. And I come out and I'm like, oh, and he's singing. And he's like, yeah. and I'm like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. And right then, a corgi, you know, little corgi dogs, yeah. a corgi comes out named Riva that I met earlier, perfect timing, runs up to me and starts licking my face <laughs> and I'm overcome with joy. And keep in mind, I've just been delivered from infinity back into this finite body for the first time in my 26 years on this planet. And so I'm just like, all of a sudden, so this was the other interesting thing. I understood why I was here. I was here to experience new things for the sake of the infinite. It's creation. So the infinite expansion that I saw when I was at I Am, it's what happens when we have experiences here. We're because we're always creating new things. So actually Abraham Hicks, who has law of attraction, those teachings, what she says is uh, that the human experience, we're on the leading edge for all of infinity and creation. So we're in physical bodies to create for non-physical. So if we learn how to surrender and appreciate each moment and do nothing other than that, which has become my life practice in the last last few months, you're going to be led by divine impulses, just like I had been for several months prior to finding those teachings. By the way, I didn't find these teachings until months after before. But you'll be led by divine impulse to miracle after miracle, after miracle, life will get better and better and better. By the way, that has been what's been happening. The more I just surrender, the only work I do now is when I get inspired to act. I don't consciously make myself take action in my work and I'm getting better and better in my results. Right? So there's, anyway, so I come back into my body, by the way, they, I was gone for 15 minutes and they had me do it two more times that hour, so I did it three full times. The second time I didn't fully lift off because they had me kinda take the after hits of some people that couldn't inhale all the way. But the third one I fully exited again and it was a bit smoother, but it was still just as wild. And uh, I felt totally complete and I felt like I'd come and I have not had any urge to do any psychedelic since. And I might how long do bufo again. That? that was in January. Ah, okay. I might do bufo again, maybe someday. But I saw everything I needed, and then since then I've had Abraham Hicks and a lot of traction come into my life. Which those teachings have been—it's like the embodiment of Bufo.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, So that was my experience, and and, uh, changed my life. So. Wow. And by the way, Bufo blew the eye out of the water. That first. Uh So okay, so I've got like
0: a lot of questions. One immediate one that springs to my mind is. A few months back, I saw Rez, he happened to come to Austin for some kind of a, a meetup for people who want to like become like psychedelics, use mediators or things like that. This is something that he's been trying to get into. And he told me about his own ayahuasca ceremony. And one of the things that he said is like you, Rez, I mean, we were mostly you, Rez and I for most of the time that I've known you guys. We've been kind of pretty like secular atheist people, you know, things that we have dabbled in are like Buddhist meditation, which are like, you know, they don't really have you believe anything. Yeah, they don't have you say anything about God or whatever, things like that. And what Rez told me is he said that I, I cannot exactly paraphrase you, but he said he entered some space or he went somewhere where he was faced with some kind of an energy, which he saw was coordinating everything with such precision and intent that the coordination of like the entire universe everything leading up to that moment everything was infused with so much meaning and coordination and intent and it was so not random so not chaos that he was forced to believe in the existence of god and he even said something like he said, yeah, faced with that intentional coordination of everything, I couldn't help but believe that, okay, there
1: is some intelligence at the head of all of this. And so if you're wanting to hear specifics on this coordination, yeah, I would highly recommend anyone check out Abraham Hicks and anything that they talk about, about the Vortex Source and just any of the Law of Attraction stuff because it describes exactly what you're talking about yeah. in a very practical way,
2: Yeah.
1: but um, it argues where Abraham we came Abraham from and all this. God. And the funny Abraham thing about Abraham Hicks is, yeah. do you know the situation yeah. with them? No. Okay. Esther Hicks, because I refer to Abraham as she. Oh,
2: because
1: yeah. Esther Hicks is the person that's channeling infinite intelligence, refers to itself as infinite intelligence, which is the accumulation of all non-physical beings. In other words, all beings. So in other words, we came from non-physicals, what they argue. We chose to take physical form to create for creation's sake, to so just create whatever we wanted. And that when we die, we emerge back into non-physical as parts of this collective that we call infinite intelligence, and they nickname it Abraham. So there's actually a bit on YouTube where... a uh, there's a physics question that gets answered, and uh, they talk about what Einstein got wrong while he was alive, that he what he wanted to correct when he was dead. So he's pretty out there. Uh-huh. But what's so funny is it's the only teacher I've ever studied that, to me, has 100% bulletproof arguments with these experiences I've had. Mm. Every other teacher I've had, including all the Buddhist teachers, they fall short. I see. But every one of these... Yeah uh so anyway yeah this yeah this coordination yeah, yeah, you're
0: yeah. Talking about. so so res mentioned that and then he said in that moment the kind of you know i'm like really butchering this because you can't really translate this first of all into words second you're telling this to a person who hasn't had that experience firsthand and that person is telling a third person yeah okay just forget about it but whatever he says something like faced with the power of that reality everything in comparison, like this reality seemed like paper to him. It wasn't even as real in the face of the reality of that. So I was like, I think I was asking, like, how much can you trust that experience? He was like, oh, yeah, compared to that experience, this is this world is like paper or something like that. And I felt almost betrayed by this guy who I thought was my secular comrade, you know, and I was like, man, I always thought of Rez as being a person who does not just believe things because a certain belief system wants him to believe something. And he he's a very original thinking person and he's like really trying to, you know, look at what the universe is like and have his own experience and make up his own, own mind. So if this guy says this, then it really kind of creates it. It created a little crack in the wall of my oh, sure. of my atheism. And uh, especially because at that time I was dating this girl called Hanan who is like very religious. She's very Muslim and a lot of our arguments, you met her, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. a lot of our arguments would center around this. Like I would come from a point of view, like a more secular or maybe a more Buddhist point of view, and she would be talking about God. And I'm like, I don't understand why you talk about so many things that like there is no physical basis or evidence or whatever. So. Then when Red said something like this,
1: I was like, damn, is this like really true? Well, the, the issue is is that where you've heard it up until now has just yeah. been institutions yeah. that have crafted some institutional angle
2: yeah.
1: on something that is totally subjective and has absolutely nothing to do with any institution ever. There's absolutely nothing about any of the shit that means you need to be on a certain team and you need to go yeah. wash in holy water and none of it all that stuff is is it just seems like medieval yeah but the thing is that
0: see you used so these institutions use this word god and they have certain properties some interpretations by the way i don't use the word
1: god anymore
0: but you in your telling of this story you right. did use the word god so i feel like you were drawing upon some of the same ideas off the kind of entity that this same institutions talk about. Otherwise, I don't know why you would use the word. Well, but
1: see, it's it's fundamentally it's fundamentally there was nothing. This being was a giving being. Yeah. It has nothing but good to give. Yeah. So that throws out the Old Testament. That probably throws out a lot of the Quran. Yeah. That probably throws out some of even the New Testament. Yeah. It throws out everything. It throws out all of the... The point is it was an entity, and that's why I use it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, Yeah. And now I actually refer to it as my inner being.
0: So the other question that I have is, you know, I haven't had experiences like this, but I have some kind of a slowly developing gut instinct of, you know, I mean, I've talked about non-duality a lot, and most of the time that I've said it, it's about being... It's about the idea that I've heard that the perceived separation between subject and object is illusory so that's one way of putting it but the other thing where the other thing that you might mean when you say that the universe is non dual is to say that there is no intrinsic separation between good and bad but when you were describing this god you were saying that this was the almost like the crystallization of all of the good properties that you admire in anyone so- So So if
1: that is the Godhead, then what is the opposite? Are they separate? There is no opposite. So let me be very clear. So in the Bible, it talks about, there's one of my favorite quotes is, to he that has much, more will be given. To he that has little, more will be taken away. So let me let that quote sink in. That is an incredibly controversial quote for any religion to say. Including Christianity, because Christianity, a lot of Christians think that you have to be poor to go to heaven, Yeah. because it's passing through the eye of the needle. But we just heard it say, to he that has much, more will be given. To he that has little, more will be taken away. So if you're lowly, you're fucked. If you're highly, you're set. Well, what does that mean? Well, if God is good, and God is always giving. Well, the guy that has much, he is focusing or praying for abundance. So in other words, whatever we pray for is what we are given.
2: Prayer isn't
1: sitting on your knees and begging. It's what we're thinking and feeling at all times. That is our prayer. So the guy that has much, he has much because he's thinking about splendor and positivity and joy and peace. So he's always given that. And the guy that has little he has little because he's obsessed with scarcity and so he always loses and you can actually see this in people that's why i'm very careful with you when you talk about your phd actually you say oh well, i'm just back to the normal old shit you need to be careful because in 10 years you're going to be a miserable motherfucker if you stay at them. i'm not joking mm-hmm you were really good at just Ah. sounding like, oh, well, I got my PhD. No, the shame's gone. That was essentially the only good thing you had to say, which was not even a good thing. It was negatively focused. Shame is gone. You didn't say that you got a better body. You said, oh, yeah, well, I have a less shitty body now. Yeah. So you're focused on shitty. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but
0: I would say that in general, I'm pretty fulfilled with
2: what
1: I'm doing. Okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. So... Well, okay, good. Well, I'm, I'm good to hear. I'm yeah. happy to hear that. Because I hear this with physicists a lot. It's <laughs> just drudgery. Yeah, physicists no, no, no. I
0: actually, like I said, you know, I was like, yeah, it's kind of back to the everyday. But that's fine because this oh. is what I like doing anyway. Okay, so you yeah. love your everyday. So I feel like this whole thing that I've been doing with my PhD and postdoc, like I feel, find it very fulfilling. The only negative thing that I had started feeling was this accumulating shame. And now it's gone but now that that's gone like pretty much whatever remains is whatever i've been feeling all along it's just like i find my work quite fulfilling anyway so so how does how does that that experience of encountering the godhead merging with it realizing that as part of your being how does it end up shaping your life today or since that experience, until now, going into the future?
1: So it so it all started with when I started getting the impulses to drive months yeah. before I did any of these substances, so March before last. When I started following these impulses, when I was in this relaxed, positive state, yeah. my life started getting better, and so now, translating it now, by the way, the Abraham Hicks stuff, the only thing that they teach you to do is learn how to be relaxed and enjoy each, each moment as much as you can, and then, when you're in enjoy, a joyful state, just focus on specifically on the next thing you really want in a joyful way, mm-hmm. and yeah, and then just go, just just let impulses take you for a ride. Um, so trans fast forward to now, I live my life fully off of that impulse, um, except for you know when I have resistance come up. Like I went, and I, I checked on my car, and you actually pointed out there was some resistance there. But the cool thing about a lot of those teachings, what they say is. The whole reason we came here was for duality or what they, they mm. call it duality they call it contrast yeah so contrast is what creates yeah. is what they say and so to be on the leading edge of contrast we get born into these bodies we choose to be here to create new stuff and every time we encounter resistance we come up with a new thing that we want that has never been created before mm. and if we allow ourselves to relax and receive
2: mm. whenever
1: we encounter resistance that is asking And whenever we slip back into um, being relaxed, what we ask for is given and we receive it. So that is the idea. And that's actually a quote from the Bible. Ask and it will be given unto you. Um, And so now I live based on this principle of just essentially just every, the, the analogy I like the most is in life, Picture life is a canoe ride. You can either get in the canoe and grab your oar and start paddling upstream. Mm -hmm. It's going to be, yeah, we got to work hard, right? Literally paddling up the wrong way, putting in a ton of work and going nowhere. Or you can realize, oh, shit, I don't even need to do anything. I don't even need to turn my boat around. It's already pointed downstream. It's pointed upstream. Just lift my oar out of the water and I let myself float in the most convenient way to the next moment. Yeah, and so my life practices in each moment. I'm, I'm not kidding, twenty four seven. I put uh, in my I mind as much as possible. What is the next the downstream thing? What's the most enjoyable thing? Anything else? When I saw that yeah. you got your PhD, I wanted to call you. It yeah, felt like good. Telling you the story feels good.
0: Yeah, so I've heard something similar from yeah, Pratim, where he he talked about this book called the Surrender I Experiment. I turned him onto that book.
2: Yeah,
1: I referred that to him. So I feel like And kind by the of, way, this is how a guy built a billion dollar company. That's yeah, That's
0: yeah. I feel like I kind of resonate with the idea, but I feel like sometimes, or maybe the, the, the problem is that a lot of times it's not clear to people what the downstream is. So they're in a state of dilemma or anguish or confusion, but, but, but that's, that's the, upstream.
1: Yeah. The dilemma. Yeah. So all you need to do is just, you don't need to, it's not going to be easy breezy right away, but how can I relax? Be ten percent more relaxed, or one percent more relaxed than yeah. that anxious state. Yeah. And then you get good at that, and then before long, yeah, it's going to be happy. Yeah. Happier.
0: Yeah, I think I have experienced this in a much more limited form, uh, where there are times in which I'm being very like neurotic and like fretting around in my head, what should I do, and blah blah. And if I take some time to just step back yes. and just let the space around my mind expand, mm-hmm. while I surrender the desire to figure out what to do next, yes. and just be like, even something simple as just breathe, just breathe. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that once my mind starts settling down a little bit, the natural course of action floats sort of on its own to the
1: surface. <laughs> And I don't have to, like, fight to figure it out anymore. So that's exactly what the analogy that Abraham Hicks uses. She uses upstream and downstream. But the other thing she says is whenever you're in a negative state, you're taking your cork and you're holding it underwater. So all you need to do is release your grip enough to let go of the cork, and it will float naturally to the surface on its own. So that's exactly it. So yeah. either floating downstream or letting go of the cork, yeah. whatever analogy.
0: Yeah. But I feel like these analogies to a lot of people, they just don't make sense. Like they don't know what it means to let the cork go
1: or to float downstream. And but, they maybe, do, but they do know. That they do. They just need to be guided to chill. Yeah. They just need yeah, to learn. Yeah, yeah. What I'm
0: saying is that most people, including me, a lot of the times, it feels like I do not know. How to chill, right? Like I do not know what I should be doing to relax. It's just a state of like pure confusion. But it's over.
1: Like, are you in that now? No. Right. So it it doesn't last forever. Yeah. For some people, if you get really stuck in it, yeah, you're a member of the cartel and you're killing people. I don't know. Yeah. And those guys are a lot of
0: them are sociopaths. Yeah, I'm so thinking
1: of like, I don't know, like some,
0: some homeless person with some kind of like a sure. neurological issue and they're like always suffering and they're just like just miserable and
1: confused their entire life. But here's the other issue yeah. too. You've seen those studies about happiness in third world countries versus first world? Uh, a lot of third uh, yeah, world yeah. countries people are happy. Yeah, about. yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to do with like material. Yeah. But, but, but my point is. There are commercials with starving kids in Africa. And there's a bunch of crackers over here. Pardon my French. There's a bunch of people in the first world that look at those and they feel super bad. The irony is Mm. they don't know. They haven't probably felt as good as Mm. a lot of the people that they're feeling bad about. Yeah. They don't know how. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is in the first world. Yeah. yeah,
0: so I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, if you're like materially fucked or something sure. like that. I'm just talking about under whatever circumstances you find yourself, maybe you're in the first world, but maybe you're like still, you know, you know kind of like a fucked up mental sure. state. Uh, I don't know, like to them, I think what's unclear is what does it even mean to let that cork go. And I wondered if some like really strong and intense experience like the one that you've had. Brings that wisdom much closer to the surface so that moment to moment, it's easier for you to tap in and recognize what is the direction of flow. Would you, would you agree that it's now more intuitive than it was before for you?
1: Even? Well, so it's funny, not in the way that you would think, because the way, if you remember, the way I got into the Aya trip was I had to learn how to let go in a new way. Do you remember yeah, how I had to go, let go, let go, let go? Yeah, because so, your mind
0: was doing the thing. It was like, oh, this is not happening, right. and blah blah, and things like that. And so,
1: that's that was actually the real thing. Is the core kind of gets ripped out of your hands? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the surrender yeah. experiment was useful, however, like the Abraham Hicks stuff. It's so in depth it's essentially the surrender experiment, but like on steroids. It just, it teaches you everything about what surrender really means, Mm. makes arguments for where it came from, things like that. And so I think actually, if I come across those teachings before any of this stuff, I would have seen the value and I would have latched onto it. Mm. um, Especially after the years of meditation. Um, The irony of this letting the court go versus meditation is a lot of meditation actually is cutting off thoughts Mid-thought. Whereas what I've learned how to do now is allow all thought to just go. So I don't care about whether I'm present or not. Am I allowing the thoughts to just go downstream and become positive and then when I have enough momentum actually choose what I'm focusing on? Um, If I'm doing that, then great. But uh, yeah, the meditation set me up to be prepared to learn how to do this. Did these experiences help? Yes. But my point is they're not required, but it it kind of yeah. makes it undeniable. It, it sort of it created this space where it was like, okay, everybody, everything that everyone is saying doesn't really matter now. That was the mm-hmm. big it 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 wasn't mm-hmm. even a qualifier for what is. Mm-hmm. It was a, a disqualifier for everything in the human creative world. Mm-hmm. The news is hilarious to me now. I can't even take it seriously because all I see are, and I see this everywhere. Like I can see based on how a person talks and thinks and feels now when I talk to them, what they're getting stuck in again and again and again.
0: And can you look at your own past self and see that, see what you were stuck in?
1: Yeah. The funny thing is I don't really look, I don't really have the desire to really look that look back much now because I'm enjoying the present so much. I'm really present and then just looking forward. Yeah. Like actually telling you the story.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I kind of wanted to rush through it because it's, yeah. it's kind of old news for me. Ah, I see. Um, it was it was
0: like it was very uh, riveting.
1: Oh, yeah. good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciated getting to share it with you. Yeah. Your 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 enthusiasm made it fresh for
0: me yeah yeah
1: okay so the other question that
0: I have for you this is something that I have personally uh, thought about quite a bit is when I learn some kind of a spiritual or psychedelic tool or something like that and I'm coasting on it and everything is going well it's easy for me to feel very optimistic oh this is great everything makes sense but at some point the good stretch like runs out. Like, for example, I was microdosing and everything was great. And at some point the microdosing, like whatever I was feeling kind of ran out or maybe everything is just great in my life anyway. And then it started running out and I was suddenly sort of faced with darkness again.
2: Sure.
1: Which is 50% of our reality.
0: Yeah. yeah. So my question is like, now I'm a little bit more interested in learning tools and perspectives that are still going to be with me when the weather turns dark so the feeling that i'm getting right now from what you're saying and correct me if i am wrong is since these experiences you've kind of been like having like a
1: positive experience in life you were going to No, i want to be very clear yeah um
2: i had to start
1: from zero when i started allowing this building allowing this stuff to be built into So think of watching a movie yeah. about James Bond yeah. and then becoming a secret agent. Yeah. I the, 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 the shamanic journey, that was just watching a fucking movie. Mm. Becoming a secret agent. Mm-hmm. Learning how to kill people. Mm-hmm. Learning how to jump out of buildings. Mm-hmm. It's a whole nother fucking ballgame so i want to be very very clear i've been intensely practicing
2: yeah
1: for months
2: yeah
1: as intense i actually had a reawakening of this last september Mm -hmm. i got into a lot of this stuff i'm telling you about now these new teachings and uh it it was just like when i got into buddhism at 16 Mm -hmm. but at 26 Mm -hmm. i had a a round two so i've been intensely studying. so i have to be very very adamant with you there's been a lot of work yeah on my awareness yeah to allow this stuff to to seep in. Yeah
0: yeah. So that's kind of what I'm trying to get at is when you talk about the you know letting the cork go and things like that. You have to do it eight I've
1: done it eight trillion times. Yeah. In the past nine months.
0: Yeah. The picture that one gets is almost like it's just something that's gonna happen. You just float downstream. But what if the What if it stops happening? Like for example, I want to come to a specific thing that he said. It's like okay, so you don't stop your thoughts anymore or censor them. You kind of let them happen until it slowly you said like until they get more and more positive, and then you kind of maybe act on them as the positive thoughts are coming up on the surface.
1: Choose to focus on. You choose to focus on. Once you have the positive.
0: So, can you anticipate then at some point? Thoughts are happening in your mind and instead of over time becoming more positive, they start
1: to become more oh, and sure. more negative. That
0: happens all the time. Yeah. So what do you do in that situation where you're like starting
1: to be faced with increasing darkness? There's a million different things. The main yes. thing is sits, notice it. Once you, the number one thing is at some point you will notice you're in a negative state, Yeah. that's going to happen on its own. You don't have to yeah. do that. Once that happens, go sit in a corner. Put your phone away and just sit stare at a wall and let yourself feel bad. Yeah. Seriously. Did you say let yourself feel bad? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. Yeah. Stare at the wall Yeah. and yeah. let yourself feel bad until you yeah. don't feel bad anymore. That's yeah, seriously. Kinda, but I the key is it. to sit still. Don't uh, keep moving. Don't keep doing shit. Uh-huh, no, 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 uh-huh. bitch. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: That, that ain't going well. Yeah,
2: yeah, So yeah.
1: Or take a nap. Or drink mm-hmm. Off or drink a bunch of water. Yeah. Do a do a reset. Yeah. The most powerful thing I found is taking a nap. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: You're saying you, you
1: can take a nap. You're not saying you shouldn't take a nap. I'm saying you should. You should. Yes, absolutely. Reset. Take a nap or meditate. Um, some good secondaries. If it if I have enough positive momentum to counteract jerking off, mm-hmm. eating, mm-hmm. drinking water. Going for a while. But the really dark stuff, a lot of the time you can't even fall asleep. Unless it's because yeah. you're exhausted. Yeah. Dark stuff you just gotta sit, just let your just let it happen. Yeah. And what's funny, the more you just sit, you just let it go and you're like, I'm just gonna take twenty deep breaths. Yeah. You're gonna move through it so fast.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay, so now let me ask you a question that I know about you, and this might be a little bit sensitive, but this is because I know about you and um, the stories that you have shared about your life in the past. Sure. One of the worst possible experiences that you had that you shared with me was I think this had something to do with like your bipolar. You said there was a night in which you couldn't fall asleep, you were just lying in bed, just like terrified of every moment. Yeah. And you just couldn't sleep at all. Yeah. And so that's like one of the worst possible things that could happen. Do you feel like now you're at a stage at which you have like, you know, like permanently left something like that behind? Or do you think it's possible that even after all of this journey, you might be faced back with something like that again? And if so, you know, like sure. what new wisdom do you have?
1: Or yeah. Perspective? So, yeah. So, so I had a bipolar manic episode at 18.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I stayed up for 48 hours straight. The first night was manic, the second night was depressive. Neil is referring to the second night. Um, Funnily enough, I had it happen again this past year at 26, November 1st. It lasted for 12 hours. I didn't stay up, it was just during the day. And it was pretty much all positive. But it was definitely a mania. So, Mm -hmm. I'm not on medication. I haven't been for years on it. It seemed like a really uh, necessary chemical reaction to happen in the brain. But it seems like I allowed, through the use of the right medication and the right support, and then kind of reorienting my life, I was actually really able to fully, I think I fully reset my brain and I went through some really necessary, it would be fascinating to see the neuroplasticity on it, but my brain definitely feels like it's more robust now. Um, and that, no, I don't think I will ever have that happen. Yeah. Um, ever. Like, 100% certain. I, or just, I just feel pretty confident on it. Yeah. Um, what I can say is uh, the more I allow things to happen, the greater my life becomes. Yeah. Some of the time, the challenges that come up internally, though, like,
2: you know, I have a business
1: partner now and uh it's a lot like a marriage. Mm. And uh I'm always um like there's really high stakes there.
2: Mm.
1: And had some knockdown drag out conversations with her that were very uncomfortable and very mm. uh where I got kind of ugly. Mm-hmm ugly things have been said and things I haven't felt good about things like that so in that sense those continue to come up I'm even getting better with those but my point is I don't think the really like wild negatives are going to be a thing mm-hmm. um, I think the the bumps in the road or more specifically the boulders early in life were what I had to dodge mm-hmm. now it's the pebbles in my in my shoes in my mm-hmm. boots that are the thing so I think progressively I still encounter, it's kind of like the bigger my life gets, the, the the obstacles are pebbles now instead of boulders, but they still can trigger me. Yeah. And so um, that's what I say, what we'll have to say about adversity. I, I really yeah. do feel like it is, it's a pretty smooth journey, especially when I look back at past obstacles, it's hilarious. Yeah.
0: Thanks for joining me and my anonymous friend today in the Room of Lives. Take care. Until next time.